lesbian shit is intense i'm katie and i'm v and we are here to talk to you about the bold type um it's funny because we always release an episode right after something happens and so we released an episode after the trailer had been released Anyway, you all don't care about that. The point is, now we can talk about the season four trailer that has dropped. And I have a lot of feelings about it. Number one, the thing that was most intriguing about that trailer was what's going on with Jacqueline and her storyline. I'm so interested because I feel like it's going to kind of put her at the center of things. And I think that's always a good thing on the bull type. I agree. Um but I'm also laughing because I think Ariana tweeted like no one spoils their shows like Freeform does because like so much shit gets answered really through the trailer. Like, you know, we see that Jacqueline seems to not be a part of Scarlet. Um, oh, I know. Like the cliffhanger was like, we don't know where Jacqueline is. And then she's like, oh, I got fired. I'm like, oh, great. Thanks for Thanks for telling us what happens there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, like, <laughs> a part of me appreciates it, but the other part of me is like, I wouldn't have minded, you know, being like, what's going on a little bit longer? Speaking of, like, they did that hardcore with Kat and Adina in season three, and I just don't want them to do that in season four. I was very satisfied with what we saw in the trailer for Kat and Adina. I think it was enough to, like, wet your taste buds, but not really tell you anything about how their storyline's going to go, which I like. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to be spoiled on what's going to happen with them because I do enjoy some level of angst, but I didn't want her absent from the trailer so that I'm just like, what's going to happen to that degree? So I, I think that this was a good kind of, you know, teaser I'm curious as to what's been going on before that scene and what's about to happen when she goes into Kat's apartment. And then, of course, I couldn't care less about Pinstripe. I mean, especially rewatching these two episodes and then watching the trailer. I'm like, fuck Pinstripe. Like, I can't stand this bitch. Get rid of him. I was I was looking through my notes that I took after season three ended when we were just going to talk about, like, Kat and Adina. And I just had this one. I don't know any of my thought processes anymore on those notes. But I just had this one note without context that said, I hate pinstripe. I mean, isn't that just true constantly? I know. I was like, you know what? If there's one thing I've always been consistent on, it's that I dislike that guy. Like, I could be all over the place with whatever else I said, but I remain consistent on that. Definitely. And of course, no Patrick, which I'm thrilled about. Even though they really minimized him at the end of the season, which I'm grateful for. But God, I'm ready for him to go. (laughs) Yeah, I hope that he isn't, like, the Adina surprise and, like, suddenly he shows up because I don't want him. Also, I think we put together how how um, Sutton is going to be involved with Raven's story because in the trailer it spoils that Sutton might become a fashion Instagram influencer. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is very interesting with her whole, like, I want to be with her fashion stuff. Like I want to be relatable to everybody. And then she's going to be an influencer. 
I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Sutton. I'll just see what happens. Yeah, we shall see. But anyway, I'm excited for season four. I'm ready to see what the show cooks up. Yeah. So let's get through these next two episodes. I'm like bouncing. I'm so excited. (laughs) I know. So we are on episode 309. It is called The Final Push. It is written by Neil Shaw. And it is directed by Kimberly McCullough. So we pick up the episode. Jane and Pinstripe are FaceTiming. Okay. Let me just say that we find out here that Pinstripe has somehow ran into Pamela Dolan before. And he is has never mentioned this interaction at all. While Jane has been working on this story, he is useless. What is his purpose? I thought it was a cute date at first. I especially liked how they like clinked glasses through the camera on their on their uh, laptops. But what I don't like, and I can't decide if I don't like it because I'm just too gay for this, or if I don't like it, period, is when they're saying goodbye and he's like, want to give me a little send off? I fucking, it makes me cringe (laughs) so bad. I hate it so much. And I don't know if it's because I'm too gay and like, if it had been like Adina saying it, if I would have been, it just sounds gross. Give me a little send off. It's because Pinstripe is gross. I think even if it was Richard, it wouldn't have been as gross. I, I just think he's sleazy. I don't like him. Anyway, she does a little dance in the living room when she has a roommate. <sighs> yeah, she wasn't thinking. It is in the evening. Presumably, he will come home. Like, I don't know. But anyway, Alex comes in and ruins the, the shebang. <laughs> ruins or saves us all. <laughs> saves, yeah. Alex saves the day. So then we go to Adina and Kat walking and talking. Um, and Adina, in a more um, connected way, talks to Kat about what happened in Paris. And it's kind of the same things that she said to Jane. But she first apologizes to Kat, which I thought was nice to start off with an apology. And she talks about how waiting for her visa was tough and she wasn't making money on her own. And she felt like she was trapped and um, she was starting over and that anxiety limited her production. And then when Kat called her out on that in Paris, she panicked and ran. I like the way that Adina kind of slowly and thoughtfully explains herself um, because it's very deliberate. And there's something about when you apologize and are trying to reconnect with someone about that intentionality that I think is very um, comforting. I really appreciated that. And then Kat says it's not all on her. She made a lot of mistakes herself. She didn't know what she was doing. And the whole open relationship thing is implied to be a mistake. And I'm like, is this the writers acknowledging that they didn't know what they were doing? And they made a mistake going down the open relationship storyline? It's their apology to us. (laughs) That's their apology to us for that nonsense. That's what I'm taking from that. Oh, that's funny. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I'm going to take it. I'm going to appreciate their apology the way that I appreciate Adina initiating and apologizing. Uh, I was just impressed by what a mature conversation they were having where they both recognized their roles in their relationship and the end of their relationship. And it just makes me love them even more together. I know. And Everything about their communication in season three, I think it acknowledges their journey in season two, 
but it just feels so much more reminiscent of their like communication and conversations in season one um and i think that's why i enjoy season three so much even though we get like three episodes because of of that like very the connectedness between the characters that existed in season one that they really floundered with in season two Mm -hmm. so yeah i really just loved everything about the conversation and um Adina acknowledges that they didn't make things easy on each other and says that, um, looking back, I would do things differently. And Kat goes, what? And she says she wouldn't have ran. I love that interaction because there's just always so much between their interactions. Like, Adina says this, but it looks like Kat is worried about what exactly Adina would have done differently. And I think there's still this insecurity and when Adina says, I wouldn't have ran, I think that that isn't exactly what Kat was expecting. And I don't know, it makes me emotional. I think part of it is there's such a level of understanding in that emotion and response from Kat because that was Kat's t- typical response for so long to run from things when she got scared and overwhelmed. Um, so even though she ended up being very hurt by what Adina did I think she can really understand it in a way and that's what's so interesting about Kat and Adina's relationship is that they just understand each other on a really intimate level even though they're opposites in so many different ways they're so complementary Kat gets an election notice and so the mood of this like camaraderie that has been building between the two of them completely shifts because that brings Kat back to the real world. Um, Adina says if you want to come by the studio or hang out just to reach out to her and Kat goes maybe after the election. Um, And it's so interesting to me. Kat always leaves interactions with Adina in this stage completely flustered like adina goes by and cat's just like okay and just kind of runs away like she kind of forces herself to end those interactions yeah i would agree i think that cat is very flustered a lot with their interactions regardless of how they go it's just so much for her um, which is so much like season one. Like there's this, this intimacy between them that I don't think Kat knows what to deal with, but craves. Um, and that comes through the screen. Um, and then we just have Sutton having a big job ahead of her for the fashion show. Then they meet up, the trio does in the morning because they're all over the place. And, and one day, who knows what time it is? We don't. And because like Sutton has this design seminar like in the morning before work at like six in the morning. When is this happening? We don't know. <laughs> time time means absolutely nothing on the show. Time means nothing. So they're like getting coffee and walking by Kat's face posted all over Manhattan. And um Cat <laughs> is like, yeah, I'm just burying my feelings and Froyo at the moment. I don't know how to deal with this. And you gotta love Sutton. Sutton was on her game all of season three. She's like, are you sure this isn't just a rouge to get you back? Like, is Adina planning something here? Um, and Kat's like, I didn't even get closure. Like, this is the opposite of closure. My conversation with Adina and Sutton goes, yeah, more like open, sure. I think it's interesting that Kat says that she can't focus because the election 
is so close, which I do think that it affects her. But I also think that she probably doesn't want to think too much about her shit with Adina because Tia exists. And if she thinks too much about her Adina shit, she's going to have to face that. <laughs> right. And then um, they're talking about how this is the final push for the election. They have to go hard today. And Sun goes, push it hard, ladies. And give birth to a beautiful electoral child. Genius. Genius. Yes. And I was a little bit sad here when Tia shows up and Tia says, like, you know, like, this is the final push again to Kat. And Kat says something like, it's been the final push since we got started. And it's kind of joking, but I think that someone who knows her and understands her a little bit better would see like that the overwhelming anxiety is starting for her. And Tia just continues on with like her, like, you know, her job. And I just cannot help but think about how this would be if Adina was there. God, you know, these couple of episodes with the election stuff, I could not stop thinking about what this storyline would look like if Kat and Adina were still dating and, like, Adina was connected to this political storyline. Like, I think it would ground Kat in a very specific way. Um, That would be really interesting to watch that we've never got to see between the two of them, but... That's a story for another day. (laughs) Um, So then we have Sutton prepping for her runway show, but Oliver drops Carly off to be watched um, because she's faking sick and skipping school. And then Pamela Dolan shows up. Um, And first off, she drops a horrible joke about Jane's eggs. Like, she's trying to spin this, like, Scarlett's anti-feminist storyline, but she's completely horrible so i'm like how do you have any authority yeah i actually thought a lot about pamela dolan's um appearance the song that's playing as she walks through says teenage skanks got nothing on me i think and it makes me (laughs) laugh because like i think that's really appropriate for her Uh um (laughs) and then i was thinking about the way that pamela goes into this meeting and she just goes in so confident and like so unbothered and i thought it was interesting how she mentions to Jane that she read something that she had written. So indicating like, I write up on you. I know you, you know, like trying to disarm Jane. And then she goes further because she makes it personal or she says, you know, don't keep those eggs on ice for too long, you know? And it's not coming from a place of concern. It almost feels threatening. Like, you know, she's definitely putting them in a place to feel in a negative space. And then as they proceed, like she just really is prepared and doesn't allow them to say shit that is going to get her emotional and respond. Like she cuts that shit off like immediately. And it's just like, no, no comment for like everything. Yeah. She's a damn sociopath, which is what abusers are. Like she comes in full on bitch mode, no comment to everything, ready to control the situation. And one of the ways that you can control a situation is to immediately disarm your opponent, which is, in this scene basically that's what jane and jacqueline are and also jacqueline like i don't understand why you're just laying everything out for her even investigative journalism i think has a little bit more tact in how you approach this but i mean i guess it's it served the purpose that it needed to for the scene at hand and the storyline with Pamela Dolan I was just like I don't know 
Yeah, no, I definitely was like annoyed with Jane too when like Pamela, I mean, poses a leading question where she's like, I look forward to reading this. When is this coming out? And Jane fucking tells her, why would you give her your timeline? Like, why are you so stupid? Yeah, exposés really don't work that way. Like, (laughs) um, typically the opposite side only finds out like right before it goes to press. Um, So... uh, Maybe Jay needs to call up Ronan Farrow and get his advice. Oh my god, that would actually be a really cool guest star, I feel. <laughs> Ronan Farrow writes a lot of the exposés that have happened in Hollywood. Jane could stand to take uh, some lessons. The only other thing that I wanted to say about this is that Pamela comes in with the confidence of someone who has done this shit for so fucking long without consequence that she fears no consequence and it infuriates me. And those are the people that I hate the most. They're the establishment that have manipulated the system to get what they want for so long that they don't even think it's possible to take them down. Mm-hmm. Um, basically the complete opposite of Jacqueline Carlyle. Then Kat walks into Scarlet and she's getting a ton of support from everybody about the election. She runs into Alex. And let me just say, Alex's style is looking fresh in this scene. He has the best style of all the males in the show. And I really appreciate good menswear. So that also might be why Alex is my favorite. But besides the point, he's chatting with her and he talks about how he's sad that she's leaving Scarlet and... It seems like Kat hadn't really thought about her winning means that she would leave Scarlet. And I also had not thought about that. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm kind of rooting for you to not win, Kat, because I love you and support you. But I don't want you to leave Scarlet either. Yeah, you can definitely. I think probably because they're getting closer to the end of the election and it's more of a reality And probably at the beginning, it seemed like a bit of a long shot, but she's doing better and better than she probably anticipated. The reality of this is hitting her, and she's just really freaking out at the prospect of not being at Scarlet anymore. And Jacqueline doesn't make it any easier when she's like, oh, yeah, we're looking at your replacement. It's going to be hard to replace family, cat." And I'm just like, oh, God, just the person you want to hear from (laughs) when you're going through that. But yeah, she's clearly uneasy about this transition. And then we have um, Sutton, who's um, fitting the models for her fashion show. And then you can see clearly in the scene that Carly is fantasizing about these models and comparing herself to them. And somehow all of these outfits are still too big for that stick figure. She's on a cleanse, Katie, drinking juice, because that's a meal. And honestly, I just feel very sad for that model that her life is dependent on cleanses and all of that. That just has to be very hard for her. I just, I just like, I recently this week, I was supposed to have steak for dinner, but we didn't make it for dinner. So my wife made it for lunch. So I went to work and had like steak and Brussels sprouts for lunch. And my supervisor had a protein bar. And I was like, how do you exist? Like, how do you have the energy to do anything? Yeah, I don't know. I I feel sad for that. I That's not me. Anyway, 
As I like watch this episode, I'm eating like all my Christmas chocolates that I've gotten from like coworkers. Like, mm, let me just <laughs> have a nice sit down and watch the whole time. Anyway, yeah. um. So then Jane gets a call from the model Eden that says someone from the New York Star, I think she said, um, is doing a story on bad model behavior and wants a comment from her. And she's like, I'm an unknown model. That is a very weird question for someone. Um, and so Jane knows this means they're getting scooped and she goes to tell Jacqueline that. I can't where she's just like I guess Pamela Dolan must have tipped them off and I'm just like duh <laughs> like what did you expect you told her when your story was getting and you literally told her everything you were putting in the article based on the questions you asked I just no tact no tact whatsoever here um so then we have a conversation between kat and tia in the fashion closet tia is still all business about the campaign but she kind of senses kat isn't all there and she's freaking out tia kind of misses the mark on what kat needs in this moment and she basically is like get it together things will be great when you win and is just giving her a pep talk and that is not what Kat needs in this moment. And I think this kind of, for Kat, shows that maybe Tia is great as a campaign manager and great as a friend. But Tia might not be what Kat needs in a partner. Yeah. And I think that that's important to point out because there's not necessarily anything wrong with what Tia said. It's just that... For different situations, you need different things. And in that moment, she didn't need Tia to be the campaign manager who's like, focus on the end goal and the prize and all of that. Like, that's not what she needed there. She's freaking out and she needed something calmer and more compassionate, I think. And that just didn't work out for her. And then we have Pinstripe, who's doing his like fucking... NPR interview, which can I say? Fucking him on NPR? When will it stop? When will this facade stop? I can't handle this. And um, he is a douchebag. What do you know? What do you know? He's a douchebag on the radio show. And so Jane's like, I can't deal with this right now. And Sutton is frustrated at Carly, who she thinks is holding her back. And then Jane suggests putting the kid in a food coma. And um, I'm just like, all right, that's not what I would suggest to dealing with a kid, but okay. And then Sutton brings up Kat leaving and Kat's like, can we not? I'm having anxiety right now. Let's not talk about that at all. So, yeah, Sutton's like, you know, this might be our last flash in closet. And Kat is saying, like, ah, the anxiety. I also really appreciated that as each one of them expresses their stress, they pass around that stress ball. And I just thought it was really cute. Like, I don't know what it was about it, but I loved it. This scene was great between the three of them. Yeah, it felt real. I like, and I always love it when things feel real, like a real conversation that, like, my friends and I would have kind of thing. And... I'm just impressed by the growth of Kat. Like, I'm so impressed that Kat was able to say that she was 
finally thinking about what it's going to be like if she wins and feeling overwhelmed by that rather than deflecting with the joke or refusing to acknowledge that she's overwhelmed even though she's visibly overwhelmed. We just really get to see Kat's growth. Yeah, and then I love the exit with Sutton and Jane. So they go to leave and then they both like turn over their um, shoulder in like slow motion to see Kat one last time. And then as Jane leaves, like Sutton does a double take. And it's just great physical comedy from Megan Fahey as usual. For sure. Um, And then Sutton runs into Carly admiring the Scarlet Covers wall. And Carly basically admits that she didn't go to school because it's picture day and she feels ugly. And isn't that relatable? (laughs) It made me so sad. I felt so bad for Carly, but I recently went back to the middle school that I went to with my nephew. Not recently. I guess this was months ago when school started. But anyway, (laughs) and I saw pictures of myself in middle school and I was like, oh God, middle school is a rough time. It's a rough time for kids. (laughs) Shit. I hadn't thought about it, but then I remembered what I look like in middle school. Yeah. Okay. Why did my why did my mom foster my independence? She should have taken control of me. Anyway, so not to make light of the situation, but I've been there. I know how Carly feels. It's rough at that age. And I'm I can only imagine how much rougher it is for kids these days because kids show up to fucking middle and high school looking like fucking you know, the actors in the TV shows when I went mm-hmm. to school were fucking sweatpants still. Yeah. And actually, I don't know. I'm curious. When we were growing up and even older generations growing up, TV shows that had teenagers on them, did they actually hire teenagers? Because right now, when there are shows for teens, they're always in their 20s. I don't think so because the labor laws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I don't think anything we watched, I think they were all adults. But um, I think they, I mean, they were always higher fashioned, but I think things with social media have trended to this level of like performance across the board that kids feel like, you know, you have all these kids that are like, oh, I'm a YouTube star and I'm in middle school. And I'm like, do your parents know that you're doing this? <laughs> Could you imagine if you were in middle school and you went up to your parents and you're like, um, YouTube wants me to go out to this convention in LA. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing in your room? I thought you were doing your homework. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to do that stuff on the family computer. Can you imagine if I was trying to be a YouTube star in the living room? <laughs> Just family members be like, what the fuck is Katie doing over there? I'm like imagining you doing like a dance routine. God, it's getting a little ridiculous. Anyway, so my point stands that even though we're laughing, it's honestly sad. And I really feel for Carly and what she's going through in this moment. And then Jane and Jacqueline are chatting about Pamela Dolan and talking about how Pamela's doing a counter on the story they're doing and trying to say like, Oh, look what I've achieved making it in a male dominated profession. 
And Jacqueline's like, we have to get ours out there. We have to stay in this news cycle. It goes so fast. So we need to post it on the dot com, even if we lose it for print. And you just have to admire the integrity of Jacqueline, even though she kind of self-sabotaged by letting Pamela Dola know too much. She still has so much integrity about the story. And honestly, this is her keeping the promise that she made to the models in the last episode. Like, we're going to take care of you and take your story seriously. And if she focused on herself instead of them, maybe she would have waited to put it in print. Yeah, I appreciate that Jacqueline really cares about what matters and about what is doing right. And even if that means a negative impact for herself and all that she's worked for. I just appreciate her integrity. Then Jean calls pinstripe. She wants to talk about everything that's going on. She gets sent a voicemail. <laughs> she leaves a voicemail. That's like, cool story, bro. And I'm like, Ooh, Jean's feeling a little passive aggressive about what pinstripe's doing. Rightfully so. But anyway, then Sutton talks to Carly and basically and, you know, that's what we've already discussed. It sucks. Seventh grade is the worst. And then Carly calls Sutton out for looking like an Instagram model and being beautiful and be dating a Ken doll. And um, Sutton's like, Instagram is real. It's all fake. Everybody puts on a show, even your friends. I appreciated that Carly was just like, you and Richard are freaking Barbie and Ken over here. And I was like, yeah, Carly, call her out. This is why we're not that interested in their story. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, what am I supposed to invest and see in myself and in you? Richard, she's poorer. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, good, good on you, Carly. I mean, Sutton's going to become an influencer next season. So... Anyway, um, but it is true that Instagram isn't real, and um, I myself have to take breaks because I'll get, like, sucked into this fake world, and I'm like, all right, what are you doing? You don't care about any of this. <laughs> like, stop it. Especially the Explore page on Instagram gets me because I'll get sucked into shit that I'm not interested in. I don't even follow anything like that. But because I have friends that are interested in it, I like go down the rabbit hole and I'm like, why am I looking at this fucking country star's family that I don't care anything about? Like, get me out of here. My attention span is too poor for me to get sucked into other shit like that. <laughs> but anyway, so I get it. And um, she gets Carly to a better place and she offers to be her wing woman and get her to picture day on time, which I'm like, that's impressive. I would have just been like, all right, well, I'll get picture day next year. <laughs> I know. It's just like, how long has this child been at Scarlet? Like, did, didn't they take the photos already? It's too late. The photographer's gone. They do that shit in the morning. Okay. Um. So then we're at the campaign office and they're watching Reynolds um, give an interview um, who's Kat's opponent, and he's basically trying to meet Kat where she is, um, because she's more progressive than he is, and they're trying to appeal to the same constituents, so he's playing off her back, and, um, that's a good thing, because, um, you know, it shows that Kat's made an impact, but... 
that's not a good thing to get. She is still freaking out at this moment. Um, and she looks to this giant wall of her face on it. And the song Mirror starts to play. And, okay, this moment in the show has to be one of the most genius things the show has done. I am in love with this moment. I was when I first watched it. And watching it now, when did this air? Like, nearly six months later, probably, I still got chills watching this scene. So, she's looking at her face she gets a text from patrick about new social media um directors and then she starts walking and she's walking to adina's and as she's like going up to the door over and over (laughs) the words are playing like you chose to leave you chose to leave and then when adina opens the door it says i keep looking in the mirror till i till i see myself And honestly, I'm in love with this metaphor. Like, maybe Adina is Kat's mirror, and she needs to um, have that person to look off of to see what direction she wants to go into. And I really love that idea to be explored in a relationship. Um, And I think you could see that reflected in season one for sure and i really hope the show continues to explore this concept because you don't really see this sort of storytelling with romantic relationships especially queer ones yeah i also really enjoyed this song i think the first time i heard it it just started something for me emotionally that i didn't process too much And then as I rewatched the episode and listened to the lyrics, this whole, like, you know, I keep looking in the mirror until I see myself and how that happens when she walks, um, when she opens the door to Adina, it really hit me or reinforced how much Adina grounds Kat and how in this moment when she's feeling overwhelmed by everything and the reality of potentially winning and leaving Scarlet and she just needs to feel grounded again, Adina's the one she's seeking out. Yeah, and it's very reminiscent of season one, um, episode 108, um, when internally Kat feels like she's floundering, the only person that she really wants to talk to and confide in is Adina, because she feels like that's the only person that can truly get her and ground her in these intense moments of insecurity, And I just think that's so interesting and you see that throughout this entire episode because yes, she gets support from Jane and Sutton, but it's almost like they're her family and she can't let them down and she can't let them fully know her insecurities and she completely trusts Adina with those even after being heartbroken and I think that's so interesting. So, um, she's freaking out. She's talking to Adina. Oh, wait. First off, when Kat walks into Adina's studio, loving Adina's look here, her two-tone pants, she looks fabulous. Then um, we find out she's staying at the owner, the gallery owner's, like, studio or something. Couldn't tell you, but it's a beautiful place. And Adina asks if she can get her anything, and Kat it's like, oh, why? Oh. Tia will be fine. And I just love that 
she immediately she's not there because she hasn't been in that relationship with Adina, but she immediately recognizes it and switch o- switches over to the fact that Adina doesn't drink. Yeah, I think it's very real, you know. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else to say, but it's very real. And it just plays, it's such a simple way to to touch back into their dynamic and show that it's a little rusty, but it's still there type of thing. I think that's very fascinating before they get into the depths of the scene. I, structurally, I just think it's really smart. And then um, Kat's like, I'm freaking out. I need to talk to someone. Um, and Dina's like, it, it makes sense. Um, it's a big deal. And then Kat really, like, goes on a tirade about all of her insecurities and is like, I feel like a terrible person because I don't even know if I want to do it. And I feel stuck and everybody's been working so hard for me and I don't want to let them down. And Adina is so open and just, like, listening to Kat and making her, I think, feel safe and how she's so open and letting Kat explore all of her feelings. Yeah, I appreciate the way that Adina lets Kat freak out. Then she validates her experience. And then when Kat starts expressing her feelings about like what um what is it? She says that she's focused on what she would be losing if she wins and is it what she really wants? And I appreciate how Adina gently challenges that where she says, I don't think you would have gone this far if it wasn't something that you were, you know, if you wanted. And so then Kat says, like, it still sucks. You know, I feel like a terrible person. I feel like I'm letting people down. And she's just having all of these negative feelings about herself in relation to how what she chooses and does impacts other people. I think Adina feels a bit responsible in laying the groundwork of Kat's insecurity about not, like, being inspiring. And so that's the complete opposite of how Adina really feels about Kat. So... I think she knows in this moment Kat needs some sort of reassurance in a way that goes beyond what just her words can say. So then she asks her to like follow her, brings her to this studio room that has some of her artwork, I think, that's probably going to be displayed. And um, she pulls out this picture of Kat that she took and immediately Kat's a little breathless. At seeing this picture of herself, which I am too, because Kat looks beautiful in that picture, obviously. But it kind of um, brings you back a little bit. I just love all these tie-ins to season one of the gallery show that she went to. And she's, like, surprised to see herself there um, in episode two of season one. So I love that little callback. And I think we've all been, like, fascinated with that concept of um, Adina being the artist and Kat being her muse. So... I think it was really neat to see that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that in season one or in season three, Kat was prepared to see herself in this way, in this, would you call it a print, a photo? I I don't know, that Adina has of her. And I do appreciate the tie back. And I think that it reminds us that despite everything that happened, Adina does find her inspiring. And then Adina like goes on and says all the things like, your grace. What does she say? Your grace, your fire, your spirit. Yeah. And I think it's, oh God, I love everything about this because she's basically set like rocking Kat's whole perspective 
because she's basically saying you were my inspiration all along. And that's something that's been this huge thing for Kat to overcome. Um, so she's having to change her perspective. But Adina says, like, this picture was on a roll I, of the pictures I took when I was in Paris. And I didn't have the heart to develop it for a long time. But you did inspire me, Kat, with your grace, fire, spirit. And I know you'll do the same for everyone when you get elected. It's up to you. But the cat I know is all about growth. Like, God, Adina, she's just like getting to the core of it with Kat. And it's like this intrinsic thing that Adina understands about Kat. And I think that's why it really connects with her. And, um, and then she also deflects with a joke and says, you were only into boys when I first met you and look at you now. Um, which Kat appreciates and it kind of deflects attention because she knows Kat can't stay in that moment too long. And then she's like, you've just continued to grow and fight for the things that you believe in. And the next part is scary, but you can handle it. And uh, I just love everything about this so much. I do too. It overwhelms me so much. I just, I love the way that they know each other. I love the way that they can be like raw and real and honest and serious. I love how they can joke, how they know when the other needs what, you know, to deal with that situation their, their communication is beautiful. Like the communication between the two of them when it's really working is just like poetry. Um, and when it's not working, I think that's why it's so heartbreaking because it's almost like equally poetic, but in a negative way. Um, <laughs> but like in this part also, it like is purely lying on the tension that Asia and, Nic and Nicole are building in the scene because the scene is like epically quiet. There's no song playing. There's no background music. It's just the two of them and, like, their feelings. And, like, you know, people are going fucking on and on about the marriage story with, like, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver or whatever. And I'm like, you want to see some chemistry and some acting between two people in a scene with nothing alone to, like, fancy it up? It's this scene right here. And it's... it's and, and you know, not as racist as Scarlett Johansson, but that's a conversation for another <laughs> Um But, you know, not only is the tension building and they're staring at each other, you know, Kat goes, I don't want to run from this. And then they're staring at each other. And I'm like, God, the double meaning in this moment is just beautiful. And it's been built so wonderfully throughout the episode and then the tea kettle goes off <laughs> this is what i found in my old notes i did it i was very eloquent i was just like fuck sizzle bitch <laughs> like, <laughs> because the kettle is like really showing the sizzling <laughs> between cat and adina in the scene yeah, I loved it. It was really intense. You see you see them just being so quiet and the way that they look each other look at each other so intensely and then the tea kettle goes off and pulls them back and it's that going it's that noise that I think shakes Cat and is like I need to leave. I need to get out of here. So she's like, "Uh, it's really late. I got to go." But despite that, she still can't keep herself from saying hey, there's like an election party thing. You should come. Yeah. I mean, the show, honestly, 
it's not as great in the finale, but in episodes eight and nine, it is just like on the nose and delivering such good, you know, scene work for the two of them and really dug into all the things we loved about them. Um, and then we have Jane showing Alex the article that they wrote at their apartment. And Alex is like, this is amazing. You're going to blow up a classic J and J joint, which I appreciate it. Um, and then Pinstripe calls. He's at a party and he's drunk and a little weird and he's, you know, weirdly sad and lovey. And I knew the bitch cheated in this moment or he was gonna. I agree. When I saw this, I was like, he is acting so weird, like a guilty kind of drunk, like an overly I miss you. I'm calling you in an inappropriate moment because I'm having feelings. And I was like, did he cheat? Did he cheat? I was very, very concerned. And lo and behold, he does. And we have um, Sutton prepping at Scarlet for her fashion show as she's doing this whole episode. And Richard shows up because he's and um, he's just checking in on her, but he's meeting with a friend for drinks, which is leading into his big finale moment. But Sutton talks about how she feels bad about how Carly's been feeling, and then she gets inspiration for her line where she's going to focus on real people. Um, we have a little scene where Jane and Jacqueline pass the story to Patrick. And then we have... Oh, the- before you do that, I just wanted to say there was a trio scene where um, Jane gives Kat that little slap bracelet. And But what I liked about that scene is Sutton wants to ask about Adina. And Kat's like, this isn't the moment. But I just really appreciate Sutton's interest in what's happening in Kat's relationships regardless of whether or not it's cat or tia like she's not judgy and she's just interested and i appreciate it oh yeah i skipped that scene because i think i really liked it um also tia is like standing right there so that's a little <laughs> awkward definitely not the time to have that conversation also i really appreciated jane in this i i'm like i know people hate jane but i found a lot of things to appreciate about her in the rewatch and one of the things i really loved is she brings out this old school slap bracelet and she slaps it on cat's wrist and she's like this was my key to success when i won class treasurer so it's gonna bring you the same luck and i just love that and i thought that was such a great friendship moment we jumped to the election party, and um, her mom is here, Susan. I'm excited that her mom is here for this big moment for her. And the polls are closing, and she's chatting with Sutton and Jane, um, and she's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with Tia and Adina. And she's like, I'm here because of Tia, and look around. She's amazing. Look what she's done. But then she goes... I'm also here because of Adina and I can't get her out of my head. And I think that's so interesting because Tia is here physically. She's like been here through all of this. She's like been there for for her, but she's here because of Adina emotionally. And she's the one that's stuck in her head and the person who's like really guided her to this point to be mature enough and confident enough to be in a position to run for office. And I think that is so fascinating and i almost wish that adina was brought back sooner and tia wasn't in the closet and we could explore the dynamic between the three of them a little more because i think it's so fascinating 
I mean, first off, I wanted to say that the song that's playing in the background when the election night party, I think, starts, um, I think the lyrics say something like, inhale, exhale, I'm still breathing or something like that. And I appreciated the lyrics because it just made me think about, like, how stressful this situation is and how, like, sometimes when you're super stressed out, you just need to focus on breathing. And it's just, like, in and out. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get through this. Um, but with regards to that, I agree. I know that she cares for Tia, but it almost feels a bit obligatory of this, Tia has been here for me, you know, I, I should be with her, versus Adina, I cannot get her out of my mind and out of, like, my soul, and she consumes me in this way. I just, I, I appreciated. I mean, it just, it makes me feel for Tia, but I appreciate Kat saying that because I think that if anyone kind of delves into it with her, it's like, Kat... What's going on there for you with, with Adina? Right. Um, and the story goes up with Jane. Sutton wants the girls to be in her fashion show and make clothing that fits everyone. And honestly, if you look at how Sutton is making moves and like has is coming into this fashion industry, but it's from a completely different world, and you also have the parallel of the same being true for Oliver and the things that they can accomplish together being from these different worlds... And Oliver being much more experienced and in the business longer, like this whole idea that they had of being from different worlds for Richard and Sutton is actually much more fascinating when explored through Oliver and Sutton. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There's so many more layers there. And I wish that show tapped into that more than the one with Richard and Sutton and more meaningful, honestly um pinstripe shows up at this event and we know he's gonna be a piece of shit the second he walks in the door and he is um he's like oh i'm proud of you jane and she's like no work talk here we're we are here to celebrate cat like pinstripe still he still is so consumed by his fucking self that he can't take the goddamn hint yeah jane looks really really happy to see him and he just looks guilty like he just looks guilty Get out of here, you piece of shit. I'll never like him again. Um, And it's not even for the cheating. It's what he does. Again? (laughs) Ever. Period. But it's not even the cheating. It's how he acts in the next episode that makes Mm -hmm. me despise him. But anyway, Sutton walks up to Oliver and Richard. And she's like, oh, look at my favorite men side by side. And Richard's like, I won't ask you to rank us. And I just really have loved this evolution between Oliver and Sutton. And Oliver says that he's grateful that she can be a strong woman in Carly's life and my feelings. (laughs) Also, everyone is fucking hyping Pinstripe up about his goddamn book. And I'm just like, enough. All of these men need to sit down and stop hyping up other mediocre men. Well, when Patrick says that he loves it so much he would pay for an autograph, I was like, you know it's bad then if Patrick is supporting it. Um, Also, I think this is the point where, like, Jane is just praising him so much for his work. And I think the guilt here is when it gets too much for him because that's when he pulls her aside for a conversation. And he... I know. He's like, I need to tell you something. Something happened on tour. I was drunk and kissed someone else. I can't stand this prick. And Jane rightfully says, you haven't even been gone that long. And I'm like, I know. You just left two days ago. 
Yeah, and you aren't even that far away. You were able to come. O- you're you were in Princeton and able to come over for election night. Like what the fuck, man? <laughs> oh, no, we like basically determined this was a Northeast book tour. Like, come, you're not even in a different time zone. Like, <laughs> but um, he wants to talk, and Jan's like, "Get the fuck out! Don't touch me, bro." Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love this little moment with Susan um, and Kat. She's like, I'm scared to go to the bathroom. I don't want to miss anything. And that was just a lovely mom moment. And Kat and Tia have a little chat. And Tia says, win or lose, Kat, I'm proud of you. And it'll be nice when this is over. We can figure this out. But Kat is looking at Adina at the end of the scene. So that's not sending a very good message to Tia. Oh, yeah, where they, like, hold hands, and then Adina walks in, and Kat, like, looks at her, and is just like, hey, yeah. Yeah. And then Richard is doing the opposite of what Pinstripe did, and he's 100% trying not to talk about himself on this (laughs) night and just be there for son and support her friends, which I appreciated. Way to be a good man in this situation, Richard, but son wants to talk about it, wants him to um, say what's on his mind. So he talks about wanting to do this clean energy startup in San Francisco with Dev. And then Sun pulls Jane to talk because she's obviously upset and Kat cannot be pulled aside in this moment. No. So this part I'm pretty sure is where Kat and Tia are chatting and I don't, I don't remember all the details of what they're talking about, but I do remember that Tia says to her like, hold tight. And she goes up to the stage and like, Less than two seconds later, Kat turns around and goes to Adina. And Tia sees this. And I'm just like, oh, that's got to suck. Like, you couldn't even hold tight for two seconds. (laughs) It's pretty hard because, like, Adina and Oliver are having an extensive chat when Kat walks up. And then Jane and Sutton pull up. And it's, like, this whole group. And, like, Tia's basically, like, this outsider and observing how nicely Adina fits in with all of them. Which, honestly, I wish we actually observed more than, than in just this moment. But the the way that was staged was actually so well done. And I just felt so bad for Tia. Um, but she's honestly, like, an amazing person. If I, like, they made everything more painful with what went down for Tia with me like in these last couple episodes because she's just proven to be so kind and so thoughtful and so strong and able to be a professional and do her job also going through all of these complicated emotions that I don't know if I could do like if I was T I saw that I would have just like run to the bathroom real quick oh I'd be like so like I would be so irritated. Like, I'd have such an angry face. Her ability to put on, like, a face and just kind of keep on with the job at hand. Like, damn, girl, good for you. Um, And then the results come in. Kat has um, the girls on each side, but she loses. And then the song lyric, as we cut out of the episode says no band-aids for growing pains and this is a hit for Kat and you feel it it's it's quite the gut punch to end the episode mm-hmm. but I love this episode it was so good <laughs> it was a great episode uh, I had a great time re-watching it 
we had some really great cat centric episodes this season and eight and nine were so heavily focused on cat, which I loved. So it was lovely. And, and I don't know, this might be one of my fave episodes of the season. I think I've said one earlier in the season is my favorite, but in terms of like cat and Adina, this episode really crushed it. Yeah. I think this might be it for me too, actually. I'm like trying to rack my brain. I think this might be it. Yeah. So great episode. We had so much fun talking about it and watching it and, you know, talking away. So thank you for listening to us. Follow us on Twitter (laughs) at this lesbian shit. And we'll be back next time. Also, if you like our podcast, download it, y'all. Bye. Bye. This Lesbian Shit is Intense is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.